Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Geek Wave. This is the low budget show. It's the show so low it has no budget. Once again, it's Batman week, Batman month. It's the, yeah, the Batman's out. Great freaking movie. So cool. Such a fun one. And I figured, you know, since that was cool, and you had a visionary director like Matt Reeves, and he's like, I'm going to take that concept and just make it my own Batman world. I thought, well, let's take other directors and have them design their own Batman world. And I, I picked 10 names that we're going to get into after the news. It's going to be weird. I don't know. I just thought, like, there's going to be a fun topic to discuss for a bit. And if I still have the audio file to the Batman movie stuff that I put it somewhere, I don't know where it is. Let's see if I can find it. We'll probably get the audio recording for my Batman review at the end of this video, too. So if you haven't heard that, there you go. It's going to be attached there, hopefully. You'll you'll know if it is or not, because I'll put it up there. It's like 20 minutes long, so you'll love it. You'll love it. It's cool. It's fun. It's fresh. It's freaky. Oh, man, what a time to be alive. Like, I, I really have been struggling finding, like, not just the time, but, like, the motivation to talk about this stuff, just because, like, the way everything is going on in the world right now, and I don't want to get too much about, like, oh, woe is everything in existence, but it is. And that makes it hard where you're like, I could be doing other stuff that's more important, but instead I'm going to make a list of directors that could make a weird Batman film. And that's, like, where do you find the balance between those two? I don't know. Like, sometimes it's just hard. And I think I'm doing okay with it. But, I, I, yeah, what are we doing? Why am I talking about this? Like, we don't need to get bought down by the bullshit of the real world. There's no point to it. We already know it's it's die it's it's it sucks. Wherever you are in the world, I'm sure your gas prices have rised up too, and mine have rised up so high here that I'm like, do I even want to leave the house again? My my province just literally dropped the mask mandate, and I'm dreading everything in the world right now, just because this <laughs> this is a province in Canada where every other day there's a like a convoy of truckers talking about their freedom. I guess they won. I guess they won. I don't know anymore. I know I'm the loser in this situation. Oh, it's so much, but we don't need to talk about that. Instead, we can talk about the news, which there's a couple things here that I'm excited to talk about. Actually, I like all this news because some of it's funny and some of it I'm just like, this is so predictable. I cannot wait to talk about the Kenobi trailer. That's going to be the last thing we talk about because I have a lot of thoughts on that. So, starting off with this, this was really cool news. So, fresh off his successful run on West Side Story, not, you know, theatrically successful because it fucking bombed, but, uh, like, it was good. I I say it's good. It's my favorite movie of last year. West Side Story was incredible. Spielberg's like, I want to go back to the well of my childhood, and I'm going to make a Frank Bullet film. Like, bruh, do it. <laughs> like, I will... I say, let Spielberg remake anything he wants. The Spielberg said, I'm going to remake Casablanca. You let him. Because if there's one person who could get it right, it's Spielberg, baby. Like, do it, man. Bullet is such a good film. I talked about it on the channel a few months back. It's so good. And I think Spielberg could perfectly capture that stylistic choice of just like the weird gritty violence, the beautiful chases, just like a love letter to whatever city he wants to put it in beautiful do it like i think like giving spielberg that thing he hasn't really done like the gritty crime detective story he's done detective stories and you know like kind of like more mature things but really just like we're gonna do that grittiness that would be sick i think it's gonna be a really cool thing to see and as we're talking about this 
I've been trying to think like who would be a good Frank Bullet because Steve McQueen is just a perfect embodiment of insanity. We are just like this guy doesn't look like he'd be tough, but he just gives off like a gruff personality. And I've been trying to think of like the modern day equivalent of that kind of guy. I know like the obvious thing people are going to go to is like Daniel Craig because they kind of got similarities, but I think literally skew it in the other direction. You know who would be cool is Steven Ewan if they ever wanted to like do that. He'd be a really good choice. Daniel Kaluuya would be a good choice too. I, I think he'd be incredibly fun to see in that role. But if you want like a, a traditional like white guy, I um hmm, that's a good question. There's a couple of them. If he was a better actor, maybe Stephen Amell could do it, but I don't think Stephen Amell's the best actor. I, well, ooh, let's see. Is there any, like, of those, like, you know, superhero type guys that could do it? I don't think so. Maybe Oscar Isaac could pull it off? I guess that would depend how Moon Knight does, which weekly reviews of Moon Knight starting at the end of the month, if you guys couldn't figure that out, so. Cool. I'm excited for a bullet film. Like, if he wants to do it, absolutely. He did West Side Story. Go play in the same genre, baby, but do bullet. Like, come on. That is Spielberg just to a T, just making good stuff of what he wants. So, of course, I'm going to support this. Of course, it's going to be cool. And, of course, it's going to just rock my world. It's going to rock me hard. Shake me and drag me down to the mud and just give me a good time. That's cool. You know what else was pretty cool? Coming off her Oscar nomination... Ariana DeBose, I, I don't know if I'd say her name, DeBussy, DeBose, I don't want to say Bussy because that sounds a little inappropriate, but whatever. Um, the talented actress from West Side Story, who I hope wins the Oscar because she is fantastic, and that is the most important role to play in West Side Story. Well, she's going to be in the Craven movie. And the Craven movie had a bunch of other casting. You know, the kid from White Lotus was going to be Chameleon. Christopher Abbott's going to be the foreigner, perhaps. But Ariana is going to be Calypso. And it's kind of like a love interest to Craven. And I've just sitting here, and I'm like, fuck, man. Craven is doing all the right things to make me excited, except the right thing to make me excited. Like, the cast is amazing. Everybody cast in Craven, great talents. Beautiful people, sexy people, way sexier than the cast of Morbius. I would watch these people eat cheese all day. I love this cast. They are adorable and cute and really nice. But I'm like, a freaking Craven the Hunter movie? You want to make the, you know, big jockey Russian guy the, the protagonist of something? Of course not. He's going to be, yeah, he's. I guess he is the protagonist. He's going to fight the foreigner and his brother's probably going to betray him. I'd love it if this was kind of like the Batman and the chameleon was like the Riddler role where he like disguises himself with all these people to make his brother do these crazy things. I don't know though. It could be really weird. You guys think they're going to do like the intense Sergei Kravenov Russian thing? I really don't know anymore. <laughs> they might be reworking that a little bit. They could He could be Russian, but not like Black Widow Russian where it's like, clearly this is a man doing accent. He could just be, you know, Russian originist. Not really connected to the actual motherland. Probably. I hope he. I hope we get a scene where he like wrestles like a lion or something. I would love it if like he... Oh, I know they're not going to do it, but I'd love it if his costume was just the big fucking lion head that's his like vest. And like everyone's like, is that a real lion? He's like, no, it's not a real lion. And you're like, why do you have it then? It's a real lion mane for the back of collar. Like that would be awesome. We got Calypso crazy voodoo witch sexy as all hell i'm on board i'm on board 
And switching gears from sexy voodoo woman, we go to the Electric Mayhem Muppets spinoff. Yes, yes, do this. Look, Disney Plus has been a great home for every other franchise except the freaking Muppets. You have not stuck the landing. Muppets Now was an abysmal atrocity and I freaking hated it. And Muppets Haunted Mansion was cute, but you're missing all the key moments. The timeless nature of the Muppets, you are missing that. So giving a spinoff to The Electric Mayhem with Lily Singh, I'm like, yeah, this is a great call. This is exactly what you should have done in the first place, probably. Just because those characters can hold their own. If you do like a, you know, almost famous road trip thing, fucking hell, I'm there, baby. I'm there opening night. I know it's not a movie, but that's so cool. Like, they're just such cool characters. You can do so much with them. Have a bunch of musicians pop up in every episode. It's brilliant. It's so brilliant. Even a behind-the-music kind of thing. Yes. Yes, do it. Give me more Muppet stuff that's good. Speaking of Muppet stuff, I put a poll up a couple days ago. I think it was like a week now. And it was like, hey, I'm going to do some double features on Movie Tales. So what would you like to hear me talk about? And the runner-up to the first one was Muppets and the Muppets Most Wanted. So hopefully that's also going to be coming this this month. If not, then that will probably be coming later at some point. But the first uh, double feature we're going to do is Tron and Tron Legacy. But Muppets and Muppets Most Wanted, that's on the list. So stay tuned for that, maybe. Going from there. Oh, man. Guess, guess what's getting a fifth freaking spinoff? So, The Walking Dead has killed itself years ago. It's been dead. But we had Fear of the Walking Dead. We had Walking Dead, The World Beyond. The Carol and Daryl show was on the horizon. And guess what? He's not, they're not the only ones getting a spinoff. Because <laughs> if there's one thing Army of the Dead did right, it was proved that people still watch zombies. Negan and Maggie are getting a spinoff called Isle of the Dead. Why? Beats the hell out of me. I couldn't tell you why those characters would get the spinoff. I thought they hate each other. I haven't watched The Walking Dead in a while. Maybe I'll watch the last episode. <laughs> but I'm like, are you... Oh, I gotta commend Robert Kirkman for just making a franchise, dude. Like, it's just zombies in a dystopian-looking world for cheap. Good for you, man. But really? Another one? I'm almost 100% positive the timing is off of this. Like, who gives a shit? But you know what? Still more money than I'm making, Robert Kirkman, so I cannot hate you for putting your characters to work. Just wait until we get Invincible Season 2, and it's like, hey, spinoff, 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 spinoff. I will say I'd rather watch The Walking Dead than Invincible, just because I... I I don't know any... I don't know why Invincible's the one I can't get behind, but I just can't get behind Invincible. It's not my show, but cool. Maggie and whatever the fuck, Negan, Isle of the Dead. Don't you, don't you just love television? How does Jeffrey Dean Morgan have the time for this? Wait, both of these guys, they were the ones that were Thomas and Martha Wayne and BVS, right? Yeah. Whoa. Do you think that has anything to do with anything? <laughs> Probably not, but I'm saying it anyways. Oh, shit on my tits and call me a slut. Like, what the fuck is this? What is it? Why would we do this? I don't know. And you think this is going to be the end of our news, but no, kind of like the day before I'm recording this, they dropped the Kenobi trailer, but that's not what I want to talk about. I don't want to talk about the Kenobi trailer. Instead, I want to talk about why they just dropped the trailer, which I think is all because of the stuff happening in Florida, you know, where it's like, say, no, say, 
just say no to like the just say no gay bill where it's like you see heterosexual people they're superior to the homosexual and disney supporting money for this bill like literally like the ceo of disney is like paying one of the representatives of this bill and it's like hey disney supporting anti-gay rights i'm like are you fucking blind disney has been at disney has been homophobic since its conception they have been fucking racist since their conception don't think don't think for a minute Disney cares about inclusion or sensitivity or any of that shit. They are out to make money. The, they buy every corporation and organization. They are the monsters. Disney is the enemy. They are not your friend. Disney doesn't care about you or anything you do. And the reason because of this is because you will watch everything they make anyways. If you make family-friendly content, people will look blindly to your bullshit where you literally support a bill that says gay people are bad. That's it. That's literally what they're doing. And the fact that they're being called out for it now, it's like boycott Disney. It's the perfect time for them to release the Kenobi trailer because it takes eyes off of them. So I'm not talking about Kenobi. I'm just going to say fuck Disney because this is the same shit they've been pulling forever. And that's why it sucks. They own everything. We shouldn't have mega corporations owning everything. They, they, they shouldn't have been able to buy Fox. They shouldn't have been able to buy Lucasfilm. These are not healthy things. These are not good things for creativity or for business practice. It's terrifying and it sucks. And Disney doesn't have the balls to actually come out and say, hey, we fucked up. We're supporting a homophobe. No, what they're going to do is try to make you forget about it and show you Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like, just get fucked, Disney. Nobody wants that. Stop being the enemy. Literally, be the thing you are preaching in your movies. Like, why are you so stupid? <laughs> so, there's your Obi-Wan Kenobi talk. Fuck Disney. When we come back from the break, let's jump into the world of Warner Brothers and the Batman and Batman movies that could be weird. Let's do it. What are everyone's thoughts on the Batman movie? Did you guys like it? I think this is one of the more like universally liked Batman films. It's really cool. It's a really good movie. It's nice that things can be good and artistic. Like, this genre gets bogged. I say comic book genre. It's not a genre. Every, there's just, it's just like a sub-genre inside of a genre. Yeah. But, like, this genre gets bogged down by just mundane bullshit. And I think if the Batman taught us anything... It's that these movies can look good and still have their expensive budget, which leads me to answer the question, well, ask the question, I should say, that nobody has been posing since the start of, why do all these movies look like shit? I like Marvel. Their movies look like dog shit. They're just ugly and so basic and just... Okay, let me put it this way. When they talk about, like, when, when these acclaimed directors talk about, like, all these movies are the same thing. They're not tonally the same thing. They're the same things in terms of, like, they look literally the same. There's no art style or no direction or creativity put into their aesthetic. That, I think, is what they're trying to say. And I agree with that. There's only so many times where you can just watch a man clearly in front of a green screen with the background, like, you know, blurred out so it looks like he's in focus of a depth of frame. It looks like shit every time. And that really sucks. But I figured, since the Batman was such a cool artsy film, let's look at some other directors who could potentially give us the same style of awesomeness. So my criteria was, I want to get directors that would possibly 
do this. I'm not getting like a, here's, you know, Robert Zemeckis or here's, you know, Quentin Tarantino's Batman. I'm like, these are directors that could potentially direct a Batman film because they'd probably want to or they have a story in mind for it. They wouldn't be opposed to being weird. They wouldn't be opposed to staying in their style. That's what I wanted to do. My other criteria was it can't just be the basic shit. You know, like it can't just be here's them fighting the Joker and it's like in their style. I'm like, we're going a little bit weird with it. We have to try something new. We have to get a little bit experimental with these. So I figured what better way than to just give them weird shit to work with. So there's a couple where I picked out the idea for them already. There's some where I'm like, okay, we'll figure it out as we go. So number one, let's start with one of my favorite directors working today. I adore her work, and I think she's a lovely woman, Greta Gerwig. <laughs> now, would she do it? Probably not, but could she? Absolutely. She could make an incredibly fun Batman film, and I think this would be more like The Brave and the Bold. Like, I really liked her Little Women. I cannot wait for her Barbie film. I think if you, not just like the coming of age feel of like some of her earlier works, but I think it's more like if tonally you just went to like the, okay, kind of just easy going, Batman's a little fun. Obviously he's in like the blue and gray suit, just enjoying himself immensely, having some fun characters show up, just being a part of like this bigger world. Obviously you need to get a silly villain. This is why I'm like, her villain's Kite Man. Just, we're just watching, you know, Chuck Brown deal with, like, the bullshit of his life, the mundaneness to it, and he's struggling to find his place in the world, and that's why he just becomes, like, the supervillain, and it's just Batman, he just keeps foiling him, and it's kind of like, how many times can the one guy, like, get trapped up by the Batman before Batman's like, what are you doing? Why do you keep doing this? How can you keep going down this rabbit hole, you sick son of a bitch? What are you thinking right now? I think that'd be so fun and so cool. I just love her aesthetic. I love a lot of the work she does. And I think just seeing like that tone, that attitude could be a really fun thing to explore. And I, I just, I like it. And something I've talked about a lot, and you're going to see throughout this list a couple of times. I really want, I really want a campy Batman film. I really like the Batman. I want something that's kind of silly. I want something a little more just like, this is weird. There's some silliness to this. And I think doing that could be really fun. It could just add something very special to Batman. Just an insane Adam West homage kind of thing where this guy's like, how many times can you be foiled by the same guy? Well, you keep trying. He's like, I'm Kite Man. I'm Kite Man. I'm coming in hot to save the day. How many times can you do that? Like, honestly, I don't know. I think Greta Gerwig could make a cool Batman movie. It'd be really fun at the least, right? I'd watch it. I'd watch any Batman movie, though. Except for the Kilmer one. That was a waste of time. Misha Green. I freaking love this woman. Her work is so good. Lovecraft Country was such a brilliant piece, and she's doing the next Tomb Raider. Here's my pitch for Misha Green's Batman. Because I wanted it to have, like, that Lovecraft Country feel. I don't know why. I just, like, forgot the name there. But I think... Because we've seen it a million times, you don't tell the Bruce Wayne story. Who do you talk about? Well, the next Batman, of course. And no, I don't mean Dick Grayson or Jason Todd or Tim Drake or any of them. I don't mean any of them. I mean Jace Fox. You do the next Batman story. You do the I Am Batman story. I haven't read it. I'm not cut up on everything John Ridley's doing, but he's a fucking screenwriter. You get John Ridley in here to write this script with Misha Green directing an incredibly poignant Batman set in the future... I say you do the future state stuff. Again, I haven't read all of it, but I think like if you do 
part of his own story where like the Batman's dead, he's like an outlawed guy. And then you kind of be like, oh, this isn't the Bruce Wayne we know. He's from a future where Bruce Wayne is outlawed. He's taking on the persona to protect his people. You could throw in like the attachment to like Nightwing from Nightwing's future state book, where they kind of have to like team up and be like a different type of dynamic duo. If you threw that in there, you got something special to work with. Because Jace is a character who could hold his own. He has been holding his own. He's one of the few holdovers from like the future state stuff. And he's probably going to get a bigger prominent role when we see what's happening with him in Dark Crisis. But if you just imagine like taking like the ideals and the morals of Lovecraft Country, just playing into like the weird gothic horror and the insanity of the world he's a part of, how does a future state react to an African-American man as Batman? Like if you were to take that concept and run with it, how would the real world react to it? Not just as like inside the world of Gotham City that he's protecting. How would our real world react to seeing the biggest character in all of comic books being portrayed as a black man on screen that's not Bruce Wayne? Would they feel different about it? Would they be like, oh, this is trying to actually tell us something about the ideology of Batman? How would people react to that? Misha Green is one of the perfect voices to make that choice, to make that call. I think she could definitely do something special with it. Definitely make it cool. Definitely just have some really fun. And John Ridley's already writing it. You know, he's an Academy Award winning screenwriter. He knows what he's talking about. You get some great actors in there. Ooh, could you get, what the fuck is his name? Jonathan Majors? I, ooh, maybe. Depends how old you want to go. I think he could do, I think he could still do it though. I know he's doing his thing over there with Marvel, but I think he could still do it be pretty cool to see so misha green's the next batman or misha green's i am batman from writer john ridley that is probably like the coolest idea they can work with now my third choice is ryan johnson everyone's favorite director right like he's universally the best director of all time he is right yeah i mean the last jedi is just the best batman movie i mean it's the best star wars movie of all time I love Ryan Johnson. I think he's he gives me Matt Reeves vibes where it's like, this guy's really cool. He seems nice. He's like one of the few directors where I'd be like, I'd want to work with you and I'd want to just hang out with you in person. So if you've seen Knives Out, you already know he can do the whodunit detective stuff. So that's what I think his Batman's going to be. I would call it like Murder in Arkham where it's like just Batman showing up to Arkham Asylum and he's walking through like, hey, maybe a prominent gang member got killed. Maybe it's Falcone, it's Maroney, or maybe it's like an actual villain. Like, who killed the Riddler? Who killed the Penguin? Who killed Black Mask? You know? And then we're kind of like going around through all these cells. Obviously, we get like Batman interviewing all these people. And he's talking to all his villains and the rogues and everything. And it's just like a Gotham City whodunit or an Arkham Asylum whodunit. When, oh, that would just be sick. I like Detective Batman. That's like one of the key things I think every movie forgets sometimes. He's like, he's a detective. Make a detective comics movie. They did it here. They did it in this one Batman movie. But imagine just like, okay, let's, let's actually say the Joker's dead. And we're trying to pick, he died in Arkham Asylum. Batman comes in to examine the body. And he's like, he was killed by somebody. There is like wounds. But the thing is, like, there's wounds from, like, every single villain. There's, like, scratches from Catwoman. There's, like, choking around the neck. Maybe it was, like, poison ivy. There's, like, freeze technology or claw marks in him from, like, Man Bat or Killer Croc. There's a playing card stuck to his chest. There's a question mark burned into him. 
there's like all these things that makes Batman go, all of these people have motives to kill the Joker. I need to figure out who actually killed it. And I think Ryan Johnson could just perfectly strike that tone of being kind of playful, kind of over the top and silly, but finding the right balance to make it special. That would be so cool. That would change my life. <laughs> that would literally change my life. I think just doing that could be incredibly fun. And my next choice here is none other than Damien Chazelle, who I I like his work. Whiplash was brilliant. It was brutal. It was hard. I really enjoyed La La Land, one of my favorite films to come out in the past 10 years. And First Man, yeah, who cares? I get it. It was fine. One of the things I think you notice right away in whiplash is that he can tell a story about a harsh teacher helping a younger student and it's like just kind of like this violent take on the world this insane kind of idea being presented to him so my idea for J damien chazelle's was what if he does like an all-star batman and robin kind of thing where it's like batman is portrayed as like this brutally insane guy who's like i am trying to save the world on my justice crusade i'm going to get myself killed doing this and now i just adopted this young infant boy who hates me is pissed off and insane because i haven't said it for any of these so far but each and every one of these has a robin in them because you need robin you need robin as the ride-along character the audience pov character and if you just did like, here's like this really weird kid, let's say he's like 15 because you can't have a like an old, like a grown up yelling at a child. And Bruce Wayne is just portrayed as like this lunatic, sex addict freak, like the Frank Miller book, All-Star Batman and Robin the Boy Wonder. Just imagine the insanity that would come from that. Just imagine how weird and insane and intrepidly crazy it could be. Just how demented and twisted and awkward and off-putting you could make that film. I think that'd be so creepy and cool. Just disgusting. I want just a disgusting Batman. Just J.K. Simmons level of just like, I fucking hate you, but I'm making you the best version of yourself. Maybe you do Jason Todd in that aspect, and he hates him at the end, and they get into like the shouting match. You could add like Death of This Family stuff. And yeah, then you get like the older brother, Dick, who's like, I am the perfect son, and you're just a piece of shit that he hates. And that's why Jason Todd wants to die. Right? Right. Now, my next director is somebody who has tempted the fates of DC before. He's kind of been on their radar to work on a couple other things. That, of course, is Guillermo del Toro. Look, if you've seen Nightmare Alley, it's not a particular film I enjoy, but there's shades of Batman in there, just shades of, like, perfect noir storytelling. So clearly he knows he is a visionary director who can make something cool. But he's also a fan of, you know, it's like prosthetics and makeup and doing weird stories about fish people fucking Sally Field, Sally Hawkins, one of the Sallys. Sadie? No, Sally. Yeah, Sally Hawkins, whatever. Fish sex movie. He made the fish sex movie that won Best Picture. <laughs> oh, that was cool. That was the best. That was like the best time of Hollywood, I think. I think since the fish sex movie, everything's been downhill. We can't beat that. Like, where do we, where do we go? What, what do we do after that? So clearly you could do things like Clayface, the troubled actor turns to crime. Killer Croc, the forgotten son who's abused for his looks becomes the villain. Those are easy things to do. And I think he could do it. But you know who would be really cool? If you did like a murder mystery of Solomon Grundy. Oh, that'd be sick. I think Geralt de Toro could definitely play into like the weird themes of Solomon Grundy. Where it's like, okay, this day he dies, that day he dies. Maybe it's all puppetrated or like orchestrated, puppeteered, I should say. Puppetrated could be orchestrated and puppeteered. Cool, we just mix them together. Maybe it's all puppetrated. 
from Calendar Man. He's like, this guy is intrinsically connected to days too. Like he dies on this day. He's born on this day. He's married on this day, buried on this day. I don't know what the days are specifically. And maybe Calendar Man's like, I can use you to do certain things. So when you do the crime on Monday, they won't search for you on Wednesday because you'll be buried and then you could be resurrected again the next day. Like a Calendar Man, Solomon Grundy team-up movie fighting Batman. Ooh, that's some juicy shit I'd buy into. And just imagine like the grotesque, freaky nature of like a zombie Grundy that Guillermo could make. Just this like disturbingly big, hulkish freak just walking out of the waters doing something disturbing. That'd be so cool. That'd be so cool. And I know it's not Batman related, but what if he did a Batman movie that's just like a swamp thing and Floronic Man is like intrinsically connected to it? Or Poison Ivy. Yeah, you could do like Poison Ivy is like going after the Floronic Man and that like the Floronic Man's the villain and then Batman's kind of like caught up in the middle of like this war of vines in the green and it's just like insanely dark and twisted cool stuff. Oh, Oh, I am foaming at the mouth just thinking about a Guillermo del Toro Batman film. Just how sexy it could be. And I don't mean like sexy, like looking at these sexy so Kravitz looks at her tight skin jeans with Robert Pattinson looking through her eyes and this voyeur sex that just gets you going. I mean sexy, like how twisted and dark can we make a poison ivy with like these vines coming out of her Venus flytraps all around and Solomon Grundy just decaying and decrepit. Like, oh, baby, that's the, I'm getting there, baby. Like, that is cool. That is cool. I adore it. And I had to put this next one on the list just because I really want this to happen. I don't think it ever will. He's slowly working his way back to America again, Bong Joon-ho, who did Parasite, which blew the doors off of cinema. Imagine. Imagine this, okay? This is a subtitled film from the perspective of Lady Shiva, and she is, like, working around. Okay, well, I'm going to change a bit here. It's Lady Shiva's film. Obviously, she's not Korean, but you know what I mean. So it's her film, and she is, like, training with, like, the League of Assassins and all these different people, and then suddenly she is brought up in the same generation as Bruce Wayne, and he's starting to train to become the hero here. You throw in all the other characters of that generation, like Richard Dragon, Ghostmaker. They all show up. They're all training under the League of Assassins and the League of Shadows, and you just feel like the tension's rising between them, and she's like, this man is on a war path. It's her perspective, and you just, oh, my God, yes, it's subtitled, and you just see, like this is like a white guy who's so privileged and arrogant and he shows up and he thinks he can clean a house of all of us but he's just mediocre compared to what we can all do and then you like cut to the future where she like yes you do a time jump like drive my car where it's like two years later and she's working in gotham city and she sees the bat and she's like holy fuck that's bruce wayne what is he doing back in Gotham? Why is he this bat? And then you just do like something super crazy with that. Like, oh, 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 oh I'm getting there. I'm I'm loving this topic. I'm so glad I picked it. Oh, that'd be great. I want a good Lady Shiva. Just like this intense brooding woman just to be able to cut through everybody and do these dangerous things. Oh, baby, that'd be cool. That would just be so exciting and fun. I would adore that so much. So much. Ugh. Oh, babe. I I love it. I love it. Oh, man. From there, we move over to David Lowry, who made The Green Knight, which is such a visual masterpiece, and Pete's Dragon, which is such a cool, fun film for everybody. I want him to do Battle for the Cowl, just because I think he understands the way to aim more towards children, but still make something that looks good. And just like imagine like distinct personalities for Dick and Tim and Damien and Jason and Cassie and Cassandra, just like 
or yeah, Cassie. No, that's Cassie. No, I'm thinking Ant Man. I mean Stephanie. Just imagine all those personalities. Get Babs in there too. Ooh, baby. And it just kind of ends like it's like the Nightwing story about how Dick has to become Batman again, take up the role of his father. There'll be similarities in there, like the peril of the Green Knight, where he's destined to fail no matter what his journey is. And it's kind of just like, hey, no matter what I do, I was always born to become the Bat. That's why I exist. And I think David could like toe the line between this is reality or this is like destiny, with this is fantasy, this is friendly, this is dark. Really cool balance that I think could be something really impressive. I love this filmmaker. I'm super excited for his Peter Pan and Wendy film. It's because I'm like, that's going to be weird. Isn't it? Like, I don't know what else you do with Peter Pan that hasn't been done. So imagining it's going to be pretty cool. It's got to be trippy. It's got to be something special. It's got to be. And my next one, coming off his victory from the Book of Boba Fett, if you could call it a victory because the Book of Boba Fett wasn't that good, Robert Rodriguez, who clearly gets his inspiration from Zorro. There's no other way to put it. The man loves a Zorro. Zorro is Batman. Batman is Zorro. So where do you really go with that? Obviously, you just do like the swashbuckling hero going around doing all this crazy stuff. I really want to see like Robert Rodriguez do Green Arrow. So I guess you could say I want a Batman Green Arrow team up in this <laughs> this world. I think you could do something special there. Maybe this is just like a young Batman going uh, Batman Incorporated. Oh, shit. Like he's going it's like or the detective. But remember like Tom Taylor's Batman the detective where he's like going around fighting all these different types of people. Oh, gorgeous. Just imagine a big Gotham city of like blimps and high rises where he's just running across the city, chasing a big bat and knocking him down. Oh, gorgeous. So beautiful. Uh, just the visual styles, the exaggerated flair of Rodriguez in the Batman world would just be a dream come true. And if it's anything like the book of Boba Fett, it would end with like Batman riding like the robotic T-Rex dinosaur inside of his Batcave down the streets of Gotham as he's chasing like a street toughs away that like have control of evil technology. Like, oh, it's just like a big you know, umbrella gun that the penguins using to fire people or it's the big penny. He's fighting the big penny that Two Face had. He's just like, what the fuck is going on? Yes. Yes, please. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. I'm having too much fun with this. This is this is it. We're we're coming back to this topic and we're doing Superman at some point. Oh, this was fun. This was fun. We're still not done, though, because we've got two more directors. The next one, another seasoned veteran like Rodriguez, we have Lana Wachowski, a director I'm not the biggest fan of, but I support their work. And I think if you were to do something like Lana Wachowski, it's going to be kind of like meta trippy. So my idea for Lana Wachowski's would kind of be like Batman's return after Final crisis -y, you know, I feel I feel like... You do some weird stuff where Batman is like this undying hero. Maybe kind of like whatever happened to the Cape Crusader. Where it's like, this guy keeps coming back. You know, sometimes it's his son. Sometimes he comes back as these different things. Sometimes he's a cowboy. Sometimes there's always a Batman being reincarnated into the world. Like, it's a character that can't die. The pearls will always be ripped from somebody's arms, ripped from somebody's neck. The bullet will always be shot. It doesn't matter what timeline. It doesn't matter where in the world. There's always going to be destructive nature. You could do that. Like, it's the same Batman living these timelines. So every time, like, this Batman dies, he wakes up in another timeline. Oh, love it. Love it. And my final one here is George Miller, who's a, he's the best. And he's, like, 100 years old. And I feel like if he were to make a Batman film... 
much like everybody in that generation, it would be inspired by Frank Miller. So I just say, get George Miller, the director of Mad Max Fury Road, to make The Dark Knight Returns. Just straight up adapt it. I do not like The Dark Knight Returns, but George Miller would find the exact right beats to make that something. Holy shit, would he ever. I think that's cool. Oh, I just love it. I love this stuff. Like, just, like, here's crazy directors making weird stuff. We have Greta Gerwig over here, George Miller over there, David Lowry over here, Misha Green over here. Like, all these incredibly talented directors just making weird Batman films. That's what I want. That's what I want. Make more stuff like Matt Reeves' trilogy. Just have them... I don't need to see fucking Black Adam or Shazam or anything. If we just, like, made Batman movies in different universes with different directors making weird shit, you could literally like supply me like drugs with that like i would just hook it to my veins baby that's all i want oh that was fun for me that was really nice and you know what it was so nice i kind of want to end things on a high note for you guys so we're going to take a quick break and when we come back you're going to be done with the geek wave and we're going to come into the world of the batman one more time as i give you my review for the movie with robert pattinson zoe kravitz colin farrell directed by matt reeves ladies and gentlemen this is the batman well we're finally here you know it's been delayed over a year covid really screwed up the release of this film but finally in march of 2022 the Batman found its release. We could get into the whole backstory with who was originally going to be playing Batman, who was going to be doing what, who was directing, who wrote a script for what interpretation of this film. You could look at this for hours on end. But as it stands, Matt Reeves signed on to director. He got to make his own cast in his own universe. And what he made, I honestly think, and this could be somebody, I could get criticism for this and I will take it, I think he made one of the best films to show why comic books are art. And that is a big proclamation, but if you look at every other comic book, big comic book movie, franchise movie that's from a comic book, a superhero flick as these auteur directors would call them, they all have a little bit of a similar flavor to it. And I think in particular, when you're emulating the thing that is popular, I'm not going to get into what the thing that popular is. You know what I'm talking about. Maybe the type of humor you go for, maybe the type of character arc you go on. There is something that has made these characters appealing to mass audiences that has made this a genre that has outlasted a lot of other genres. And I think what the Batman did was really just be like, we don't have to do that to be good. I'm not saying anything bad about those. There are some good stuff just in like the mass media market that people like and adore. I do like a lot of those films. You know that. But this was the first film I think to really say, no, comic books have a fluidity to them. They have an arc, a story that you can encapsulate in one moment. You can just put lightning in a bottle. You can have beautiful aesthetic, beautiful sound work and capture something poetic and beautiful without having to think about the future or think about the past or do anything else but be in the moment and i really think maybe since iron man one the first hellboy that came out in like 2005 superman the movie from 1978 this is one of the best films to just depict that type of storytelling i think this is the best batman film aside from the 66 one i will always have a soft spot for adam west but going just in terms of like the dark gritty stuff that makes Batman popular, 
this does it the best because it actually takes it seriously while still being exactly what a comic book should be for this character. I like my campy Batman. I've always enjoyed a Batman who's a little more silly, a little more friendly. I think this tones the line so perfectly because the world knows who he is. He is comfortable being a city, situated with everything going on in his own world. And there's not this like need to shy away from the Batman aspect of things. This is Batman heavy. It is a Batman story. It is done like a noir film, which is exactly what a Batman story should be, where he's the narrator and he is our POV character. He, of course, should be our POV character. But the fact that he is in every scene, we are following Bruce or Batman in every scene of this film. And that is really important when you're doing a detective story, when you're doing a noir story. We're following Bogey on everything in the Maltese Falcon. You know, we're doing everything in the third man. We have to find those right beats to make this work. It's such a good feeling. And it just adds so much to the allure of this. Like the opening, I think, 10 minutes of this film is perfect Batman. It is just this man looking at his city and invoking a sense of fear without actually having to do anything. And that tone stays through to the very end. You see the genius at work in this man who trained himself to become this guy. And it's such a good feeling. It's a detective story. The world's greatest detective. DC Comics is called Detective Comics. We are actually getting an on-screen Batman who's a detective. You can say whatever you will about Keaton or Bale or any of them. They are okay Batman, but this is a detective Batman. He's solving the case. He is thinking it. He's figuring it out. He has help along the way from the people in his life, but this is how Batman behaves. This is how Batman should act and solve the clues. It's really well done, and the pacing is incredible. It's a long film. Could you cut out a few minutes? Probably. I personally don't think you needed to just because if you are engrossed in the story, I get it, and it works just fine for its length, but yes, not every movie needs to be three hours. This one tones the line a little bit where I'm like, uh, you're, you're losing me a bit, but I never fully lose myself in this film. And that's cool. That's great. Now, the best Batman. It's going to be the big topic that everyone's talking about. There's like the Twitter like handle going around where Batflex got the goat on it because he's the goat. He's the worst Batman. I'll just say it now. Robert Pattinson delivers the best performance for a Batman because you really play into the fact that this guy's messed up. Batman is not a normal person. Bruce Wayne does not behave like a normal guy. And while it does toe the line of just like gothic creep really like often, it works for what this story is. This Gotham City would have like the, you know, the genius playboy become this aloof messed up guy who's a recluse and hides out in his house all the time with a stupid haircut. Just, he literally just like draws on his floor because who's going to come to his house? He's got a maid and Alfred. Nobody else is coming there so he can do what he wants. And it's just great to see that mind work. Pattinson is the best Batman. He is the most, I think, just firm in what he's doing. He gets that this character isn't supposed to be cool. He's supposed to be a little unhinged, a little awkward, and a little uncomfortable to be around. He plays that perfectly. He doesn't know how to talk to people. The closest when he gets to Selena, you just feel like the tension is so good there that he's never really had to present himself in that way before. It's a brilliant performance. Honestly, it's his best role. I've liked a lot of patents and stuff, but this just really showed you he can commit and he does he's not even doing that much. He's just looking uncomfortable, looking like a freak in every scene, and it's such a powerful thing to see. It is so good to see that. And the villain of this piece is none other than Paul Dano, and I adore that guy. 
He's fantastic, and this was such a good thing. The Riddler could be a point of contention for some people because he doesn't behave Riddler-ish at times. Making Riddler like a Zodiac Killer type, it's a smart move, especially when the last like real taste people have is like the show Gotham and from Jim Carrey. That's eccentric and weird. That I think we're getting there. I think by the end of this film, we are getting to that spot, but setting it up that he has this whole plan put in place that's just solving this clues and being like this weird, tortured internet troll online who's just very much kind of film bro-y where he's like, this is how things are supposed to be. Nobody considers the problems of the nice guy. These people always win. It is brilliant and a perfect idea for a modern audience because a lot of people are going to see the Riddler and be like, I believe in him. And they're going to be like, Batman's just a rich white dude beating up the poor. There's some hypocrisy to it. And I think that's such a great way to use it. His caution was terrifying. His actions were terrifying. His voice was terrifying. You actually made the Riddler cool. And that's something that I'm impressed by. And I do actually want to touch on this a little bit. I think Matt Reeves should go into a special category. We're, I don't know what we're going to call it. We're just going to call it can do no wrong with any genre. And I think in terms of like modern directors, there's very few who could do it. Spielberg, James Mangold, I would say Lord and Miller could do it. And I'm going to put Matt Reeves in there because he can make some great war films like he did of the ape stuff, some great character work like the ape stuff. And this is a noir film through and through. I cannot get over the camera work and cinematography for this film. I'll be thinking about it forever because it's one of the most beautiful films I have ever seen in recent time. It just knows exactly when to go out of focus and knows exactly what depth of field to use. It knows exactly how to like just give you a sense like Gotham is a broken city that is healing, but not healing in the way it should be. It's insane. This Gotham City feels very authentically Gotham. It's not as like dark and decrepit with like old abandoned amusement parks, but it's like this is a place that used to be brilliant and now isn't. And that's a really cool thing to see that we don't get a lot of. You know, Burn went a little too hard in one direction. Schumacher went too hard in one direction. You gotta toy the line a little bit and Reeves does a great job of toying that line. It's such a beautiful thing to see. But to me, the one thing I cannot forget and the thing I cannot get over is the sound design and the score. The sound design is brilliant. If you can see this film in IMAX, just the audio setup that they have in IMAX theaters perfectly works for this kind of a story in this action it is loud it is abrasive it hurts you you just feel it so much and it's such a powerful performance just that sound just blares at you and it just adds so much power to what you're seeing and what you're feeling but that score michael giacchino i have said this before i don't know if i said it on the show he's gonna be the next john williams he's gonna be the next Hans zimmer he's coming up and he's gonna be a name that we all remember as one of the big ones he's getting there now because he's done a lot of the superhero stuff but he's getting there this score was fantastic every time that theme for batman came on it is better than Danny Elfman's. I'm sorry, it just is. Like, it's just so much more powerful and in your face and just perfectly sets the tone for the fear that this guy is filling into Gotham City. I just adored everything about that. It was so intense and powerful. The lighting was great. There's so much red in here, I, I just can't get over it. It's just... The visuals alone, there's nothing like this. And it's using some of like that green screen tech, or not the green screen technology, just like the photo technology kind of that they use on the Mandalorian. Like a lot of the big sweeping backgrounds and everything are that like, you know, photo visual technology. That should be the standard now because it just adds some beautiful depth of field. The way that they went about like actually filming the, I, I've, I've read 
I was reading some tweets about this. I can't remember what it was. It's the same thing that Denis Villeneuve did when he made Dune, where it's like you kind of like go over the actual footage in 35 millimeter and it just kind of like distorts it to a certain way where it just has that different grainage to it. It's brilliant and it just adds a little more to that film that makes it distinctive like it's an art style because comic books are art. Every page, every panel is a work of art that the creator is making, that the creator is telling us. They should have a visual style as opposed to just the genericness that we see in most other films in this type of trope. That was really cool. And that just made it so much more special. Pattinson was great. Dana was great. Zoe Kravitz, I think she was fantastic. She just had this certain level of charm and charisma to her. I loved the awkward voyeur and it's just too like the relationship between Selena and Bruce in this. They are two people who clearly have this connection that they are feeling just being these two maybe like good beacons of light in a city of darkness. We'll get to Gordon in a bit here because he's kind of one with that too. But their chemistry is great. She just plays it perfect Selena where it's just like, I can handle my own. I'm going to do this thing. We're going to go here. I did say voyeur a little bit because there's a really cool scene where literally Bruce is looking through Selena's eyes at the world in front of him. And it made me go, that's it. That is such a Batman thing to do that we would never really see before. He watches her a lot. There's some rear window vibes going on too of what he's doing. And that just makes me go, of course, of course, Matt Reeves would do a Hitchcock thing when you're talking about Batman, because that makes sense. It's a suspense thriller. That's where you'd go to. That was amazing. Jeffrey Wright is Commissioner Gordon, easily the best one, because he's just Jim. He's just in there being a nice guy. And you see that he is so surprised by the corruptness around him that you're like, this is this is believable. I get it. And oh, so great. Just the way the relationship between Batman and the police department plays into this story is brilliant because there's people who are like, this guy sucks, this guy's great. It's amazing. There's so many great moments we could get into. I'm probably going to do a spoiler discussion at some point to talk about them because it's amazing. John Totoro as Carmine Falcone is probably the best performance in this film because Falcone is subtle. Cobblepot's over the top. Falcone is subtle. You see this man, you understand his power, and it is such a good performance. I think, um, I, I know that's the character you have to start with when you're introducing a new Batman world. The Mulronies, the Moronis, and the Falcone, you gotta start with them, because they are essentially the, you know, like, forefathers to what's coming up with all the other insanity in this world. And Colin Farrell as Oswald Cobblepot the Penguin. This is where I'm like, I get why you get him, but it leads into, I think, a greater problem I have with this kind of stuff, where you have a traditionally handsome man, put him in a fat suit and scars, and tell him to act his ass off, where you could get a character actor who's maybe not classically handsome to do the role equally as good and maybe for cheaper but better for their career. This is something we saw in like House of Gucci where Jared Leto was like, I'm going to put on a fat suit and be bald. I don't like this. I really think you should hire a character actor to do these roles if you're going the outlandish way, just because it's more interesting to me. And I think you're giving somebody a better shot than just saying, here's Colin Farrell in makeup. That sucks. He did good. His performance was fantastic. I wish it was just somebody who actually looks like that in real life as opposed to a handsome guy wearing a suit. 
but there's a great car chase involving the penguin that was actually filmed like it wasn't you know cg or anything they filmed that scene and my goodness is it powerful and is it it's invasive and it gets in your face and it's loud and it's great it's great it's so great like i i cannot stop thinking about the shots in this film the way the pacing works the way the reveals work like the clues the riddler leaves are actually smart they actually go somewhere you're actually doing something with that character the way his plan falls apart the way the third act actually becomes batman trying to see like the corruptness of his city and how he can change that and how is he going to change that the way he's actually helping people in his city by being there for them i don't i i love it it's just perfectly a batman comic book in motion picture something we rarely see i honestly it feels like we haven't seen this type of batman i like the nolan stuff but that was just trying too hard to not be a comic book this is just like we have visuals to play with we have certain cues we have to hit and we're gonna hit them and it works well you have a great director who knows what he's doing to establish a world and a larger character you have actors who are committed to being a part of this world like i think all of them have talked about the comic books they've read for this role and that's amazing like pattinson he's talking about court of owls he wants to work on matt reeves is talking about hush he wants to introduce that stuff's all incredible to see because this is the world that would do it and it feels like a breath of fresh air just to have these things be said in a batman world it's unbelievably cool unbelievably beautiful there's never been a batman film like this and i don't think we will ever really get there again unless reeves makes these forever we'll get a nice trilogy hopefully and then we may never see a Batman like this again because it takes balls from Warner Brothers to be like, no, we're going to make a Batman film that's going to be divisive, but the good kind of divisive where people have an expectation for it to be this weird action piece. It's a slow burning thriller about a detective trying to solve a crime. Maybe his dad messed up in the past that caused the results of the present where he is the victim in all of this, but he's also the person committing these issues. It is incredibly smart. It is incredibly Batman, and it's just a great film. And I probably will talk about spoilers in another video that we will get to eventually. I do want to end with this. The end, there's no really end credits, but they do have a nice riddle thing at the end there. The end of the movie does set up a larger world. It does it in a way better than a lot of other films have in this genre. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I need to say. So, The Batman. I'm going to give this film a 9 out of 10. Now, thank you guys for watching this review. Be sure to like and subscribe to the channel. As always, you can check me out on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter, and I will catch you in the next one. Have fun, stay safe, good luck.